Welcome to the Food and Faith Podcast, conversations from the soil and around the table with your co-hosts, Anna Wolfenden, Derek Weston, and Sam Chandler. Hello, Food and Faith Podcast community. It's Anna here, and I'm here with Derek this morning, and Sam will be joining us soon. He is doing his day job as a pastor at the moment, and with a, a family who needs him at this moment, but um, it's our our new segment, the trio of hosts chatting <laughs> together. So um, how are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing all right. I think we're gonna have to come up with uh, some sort of clever name for this, but I, I'm not in that space right now. So uh, we'll work on it. Maybe we can ask listeners to come up with like what these, what this, uh, what our conversation between the three of us would be called. Yeah, we do need a cool name. Cool names make things better. Exactly, exactly. It's all about branding. <laughs> it's all about branding. It's all about branding. Um, so we are recording this on Tuesday, October 27th, and it will probably air next Monday. And we're just semi-aware that there's this whole like election coming up. Um, there's a lot going on in the world. We feel like every day that goes by, there's more things that we could talk about. Um, Derek tried going on vacation last week to get away from it all. And he said that it didn't work. Like it, the world was still the world when he came back. So vacation was nice, but like the, I came back and the world was still on fire. It's still the world. Yeah. Um, so today we wanted to talk about, um, in this time that is so difficult and there's a lot of pain and suffering and we're aware of so many people who are suffering in various ways and there's a lot of uncertainty that um we wanted to dig in today that question that we always end our um podcasts with when we have when we're doing interviews which is what gives you hope and again not the kind of hope that uh, pretends that everything's okay with the kind of hope that looks deeply and feels deeply at the grief and the sadness and the injustice in the world and also believes that God is a God of, of resurrection. God is a God that is always making all things new. God is a God who is incarnate and with us in the suffering. And what are, what are those things that are giving us hope and sustaining us um, in and amongst this time. So we're just going to bat that around today. Um, and, and that, uh, probably there is, there's no, um, lack of desire to see many things that where we find hope. So we may talk about little things and big things. Um, and we invite you, our listeners to think about this question in your own life, particularly, um, in, in these next couple of weeks. So rapid fire, Derek. Yeah. Give us so, the first one. What's yeah, giving you so hope? I wanna I wanted to start with um last weekend. Uh there's a there's a small congregation called Dreams and Visions that is uh led by Emily Scott, who was a guest on the podcast. Um she has created this really beautiful um LGBTQ centered um community of faith that that just has beautiful ritual and beautiful liturgy and and beautiful people 
um, they came to the community garden that I manage and we, we did a little uh, socially distant um, worship service. And then we harvested sweet potatoes. We finished it, finished harvesting uh, sweet potatoes. Um, and it was just such a, um, it was such a fun gathering. It was, it was really unique. I think it was one of those things that um, I think one of the, one of the many places that I find hope is sort of with the ways churches have learned to be flexible and learn to be okay with imperfection um, that this was, this was not polished. This was not a polished worship service. It was not a polished gathering. Uh, but we, but we, but we were together and we were sharing a spirit and sharing, um, sharing each other's energy. And, you know, there were these two little boys who were following me around the whole time as I was, as I was uh, wheelbarrowing um, sweet potato vines to the compost. And like, you know, they're, they're, they're helping, you know, quote unquote, <laughs> helping me the whole time. Uh uh, which was mostly just consisted of them running in front of, front of the wheelbarrow. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, and, and their energy and, and watching people's faces light up uh, that moment of discovery, when you actually pull out a sweet potato from mm. the earth mm. is, is pretty satisfying. Like that's a, that's a pretty rewarding moment. Um and, and watching people have that moment was just, it was just really fun. And, and, and the feeling, you know, one person reflected at the end, like the feeling of being connected to the earth in a new way, um, which is really all I, all I hoped for from that experience was for people to have that uh, either new sense or renewed sense of being connected to the earth and connected to creation. So that ended up being a really hopeful experience, a really hopeful worship service. Um, again, you know, uh, it's it's not the stuff we were trained to do in seminary, yeah. but uh, it, it, it still just ended up being this really, just really beautiful time. I loved seeing the pictures. I found just such great joy in seeing that it was happening and, and just to connecting people who I uh, appreciate and respect the, both the work that you do and the work that Emily does and um, and also those sweet potatoes, because we've been hearing about the sweet potatoes <laughs> since you had the, all the little sweet potato starts, you know, keep know. showing up at your door this spring and <laughs> to uh, get to witness from afar that full, uh, full cycle. And so am I remembering correctly that with sweet potatoes, there's also like a whole process of curing yes. that has to come next. So is yeah. like, is your house full of sweet potatoes <laughs> or like? Not my house, just my garage. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, Your spouse had some boundaries there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, uh, we're, we're still working out some of these, some of these kinks of like, I now have a, a barrel full of, of uh, zucchini and squash uh, that's in the garage, needs to go in the garage, and boxes of sweet potatoes that are in the garage. Um, so that is, that is, uh, part of the process, but it, 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 you know, I think that is also part of the joy and and part of the hope is that like these um, you know these little slips, these little you know, really nothing more than than uh, long leaves that had a couple roots off of them um, 
turned into these these long um flowing plants that then produce these kind of magical things underground um and seeing that process and knowing that like that's that you know that that's then going to feed a whole bunch of people who were are food insecure in in the city of baltimore um and and to just kind of think kind of like uh you know the long view of of what those of us who endeavor to put things into the ground um knowing that there's a lot of there's a lot of risk there's a lot of uncertainty and particularly when you're growing stuff that grows under the ground there's a lot of mystery mm-hmm. um and and yet you know year after year that process still it still works it's worked for thousands of years and it still works and we get to be a part of it and it was it was it was really it was really um it was really kind of profound i um last spring so i think i've shared this with the listeners before that i don't have any in-ground garden space so i'm gardening in um grow bag like canvas bags and um I had some organic Aldi's sweet pot- I mean, um, like just yellow regular potatoes that had started to sprout and I had a couple extra grow bags. So I just threw them in the bags, like, and I was just like, I, I don't know. I mean, like they weren't, they weren't, you know, official potatoes starts. I was just like, but I was either that or going to put them in the compost and I had right. some extra soil. So, um, and just, so I had three bags of them and just yesterday or not yesterday this last weekend I, I harvested the first bag and um there are actually potatoes in it nice <laughs> like real potatoes That's and awesome. um you know I got a whole colander full of of potatoes which was and that's just one of the bags and that's you know I've at least tripled the amount of potatoes that came out and I I can't wait to eat them and, and just uh that there was something but I just was really identifying with that idea of like I really had no idea like it was something that I was going to throw away like I didn't know like is this going to work or not I've been watering them all summer um there's no real way to like test you know (laughs) are they working or not you know like um I'd pulled a few little ones out earlier in the summer and I was like okay something's happening um but that that but that that um that faithful cultivation, you know, I didn't stop watering them just because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Right. Like I kept right. watering them, gave them some, you know, nutrients, plant food once in a while. And, um, and then that there is something nourishing in the end. Um, that feels like a really powerful image and metaphor in a, yeah. in a time where it feels like I don't know. I just keep thinking of the, the creation story and God hovering over the chaos. Yeah. <laughs> just that hovering over the chaos and it feels like so much of it is, I don't know if it's underground, but it's, um, it feels like it, it I, I can't see clearly. I, I can't yeah. see clearly Let's what see. is growing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I've actually, yeah. I've actually never, I've actually never bought seed potatoes. I've, I've only like, and I've been growing potatoes for years. I've only grown them from the ones that just seem to sprout when we buy potatoes and so far so good. So what's, what's giving you hope? Um, What's a, what's a hopeful, what's a hopeful thing in your world and your eyes and ears to your eyes and ears. 
Yeah. Well, there's two things that come to mind. The first is a very simple thing, which is both hope and I'm feeling a little sad, which is that I harvested, I brought in the last of the dahlias yesterday because we've had a ton of rain and they were all starting to droop and fall. Um, And so the dahlias have just, so I'm mostly growing vegetables. I'm all about like growing food, but dahlias are just one of my favorite flowers. They were the flowers that I had at our wedding. Like I just, I love the variety. Um, And so I've just been, it's been such a joy. So I find the hope both in um, what a gift those have been this late summer and fall. Um, But then I also, as I harvest them, I was like, okay, it's time to start shopping for dahlia bulbs for next year. Like I want to grow my dahlia collection. And so that's just giving me hope to just be giving myself full on permission to start planning next year's garden now. And I've been talking to our neighbors about like, what do we want to plant? And um, we're going to make a spreadsheet. And I just think there's something about, um, about yesterday to plan next year's garden that I'm finding just a deep, deep hope in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always kind of the sadness that comes with um, the fall and, and watching things die and kind of wither, but you also get this opportunity to start planning and thinking and, um, you know, think about what worked and, and what didn't work and what can you do better next year? And can you put things in different places? And there is, there is something that actually can be uh, really life-giving about that process. Hi, Sam. Hello, Sam. What's up? <laughs> Welcome. We're live. Hi, I'm late. You're recording. Yeah. But we told our guests that, you know, you'd be joining us and we're glad that you're that, here. That you're, oh, you're, good. Well, then, hello, guests. That you're a good pastor <laughs> doing good pastor things. Uh, For our listeners, yes. You can't write this on the calendar, can you? That's no, not, not, not at all. <laughs> no. So we, are, we, are, we decided to just, um, in light of the election and the, the kind world of, of the world being on fire that we would just actually spend a lot of time today thinking about what gives us hope and really just playing with that question that we ask our guests um so anna and i have been batting around some things that have been giving us hope and um if you have one uh you can you can jump in um or we can we can uh give you some because we can give you some time <laughs> But yeah, I just, the last couple of weeks, I just feel myself surrounded by death. Um, And it's, you know, whether it's been inside the parish, um, you know, it's been in my family, um, you know, and I know that we get, we get, uh, I know I get excited talking about animals on the pod, but even, even finally shipping out the last couple of pigs that, that needed to, that were sold and butchered, um, which is always one of the three most emotional days in our family's calendar. I just feel very much surrounded by death in this autumn time. And so, um, and today hasn't helped just, you know, and right. then it's an old, you know, it, you know, the, uh, the story, the story today is an old, is one of those old generational farmers that I have come to love, to know and love here in mm-hmm. Carroll County. And so just to say goodbye to another one of them, a contemporary, um, and a friend of, of my grandparents is just hard. So, um, so hope getting off the phone, I'll get there. It's just right now. I just feel this specter of, specter of death and even just watching leaves blow across the parking lot right outside my window here i'm just like ah it must be that season but um but but, you know but i'm also reminded of harvest and that there's there's 
you know, fall is time for death. It's which also means it's time for harvest and for provision and for, um, you know, and, and, and for those things that, that will get us through those winters. So I'm sure it's there. It's just, I got to get there. <laughs> well, and I think that's something that we often like want to hold with this question is that we don't rush ourselves there. Yeah. I've been reminded this week of, um, uh, Kate Bowler's, I, I don't know if it's her phrase, but I she uses it of, um, toxic positivity mm. and this idea that, uh, when we rush straight to the like, oh, but it's gonna be okay, or oh, see the good, or oh, the silver lining, and that we miss this actually really deep and important place of of grieving, of being present with the the hurt and the pain in ourselves and in the world, um, and that there's something deeply holy about sitting with and moving through, and yep. so I mean. Sam, if you don't get to hope in this pod today, I don't, I think that is that there's something holy about that. And that's a space that, that we hold, you know? No, and I, I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, I I don't necessarily want to be a drag on our listener. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Sam showed up and that got, that got ugly. And listeners, I have your best interest in mind, but, but yeah, I was, you know, I've shared with some folks just, you know, it, in, a lot of folks trying to figure out, you know, church life, faith life in the middle of COVID, you know, but yeah, you know, and, and, you know, so around here with COVID, you know, church is trying to figure out how to come back. Like our patience is really waning, um, which includes mine, um, you know, especially as I think about wintertime and mental health and all those things, like how can the church be a positive presence for mental health um, an embodied presence when we can't be embodied? So a lot of churches wrestling with this, you know, and folks, I have folks on either side of the aisle, you know, so to speak, you know, folks are like we should have opened up months ago and other folks who are like, no, let's not open for another five years, which is only slightly hyperbolic. Um, you know, and I said, yeah, like there, there has to be a language for this middle ground of wanting hope and still dealing with the realities. And I feel like that language still is lament, which is something that almost almost none of us in white spaces, I'll, I'll at least own my own space of white church spaces. We have no training in this language whatsoever. Um, and that really is the language that is that is being called forth in this moment to lament, um, which, al- which always feels like it has an element of hope tied into it. Um, but we haven't, but when we're under practiced in it, when we're not used to using it, when everything has to be painless, pa- painfully positive on um, that toxic positivity of which you speak. Yeah. I feel like, um, we are discovering there's this huge hole, um, in so much of our formation that COVID has exposed. Um, and so I'm finding myself having to be trained in it fairly quickly. And that is, um, it's, it, it's a tough adjustment on the fly. Let's put it that way. But, um, but yeah. when we have lamented well, it has helped us look past COVID towards hope. Um, it really has kind mm-hmm. of set us up to get to a, a more hopeful space. So enough for my pontificating and sermonizing, but that, <laughs> but that theme of, but that theme of yet yeah, trying to, trying to hold grief without it, without grief becoming utterly debilitating, um, feels like a space for lament. And that's, that's sort of a, sort of a place where I feel like I'm, I'm growing myself right now. Yeah. I think that's really, it's really fascinating. You know, so I had, I, I told about the um, dreams and vision service that we had on Sunday. I actually preached twice this past Sunday and the first service was very different than the dreams and vision service. It was a traditional Presbyterian church at a congregation that has decided to gather again. 
Um, so it was, they were, and I think they, they did it about as well as it can be done. Like they, they, they put blue check marks where people could sit um, and everyone was masked and, and there was no singing. Um, and while there was clearly this joy of being together, it was intermixed with this, what felt like an unspoken grief about we're doing church, but we're not doing church the way that we've done church. And, you know, still the recognition that like, this is weird, this is strange, and this is hard. And um, I, I think that, you know, there's, there is this piece of, of our culture that, that um, doesn't lament because I think that we, we assume that lament means that once you go down that road, you stay there. Mm -hmm. And the traditions that do lament well are the, are the traditions that do the lament and understand joy comes in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's the ones who understand that like, there's something that comes on the other side of this and we got to go through it, not around it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think that's, I think that's one of the pieces that's missing from, from a lot of our, our conversation about the reopening of churches is, um, you know, being able to, to, to recognize that like, if you get back together, it's not going to feel the same. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. not going to feel like what you remember. And you have to grieve that mm -hmm. you have to like, you have to really feel that. Um, so our hope show has turned into a lament show, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's so appropriate with talking about food and faith and and growing and agriculture. Like this is this is the gift that the seasons give to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, the seasons teach us so much about the process of lament and hope. Yeah. that, you know, the seeds have to, the plants have to die, the seeds have to dry out, they have to go then go under the soil in dark, cold, you know, aloneness, or maybe warm, cozy aloneness, I don't know what it's like under the, under the soil, um, and, but then there's a long winter where we don't, we don't know before that seedling comes up again and I just I think there's something there's something deeply hopeful in the reminder of the cycles of of nature and that it it's so easy for me to dream about you know the spring and what are we going to plant and like that that does give me hope to get through the winter but also to sit with what is the gift of fall and winter? What is the gift of the invitation that is there to see what is what sustains us in the times where the flowers aren't bright and beautiful and we aren't getting that luscious tomato right off of the vine. Um, but what what is how is nature holding us? How is creation speaking to us in in these times of, of death and of cold barrenness. Yeah. And maybe it's an invitation to be able to feel mm. those places. 
Yeah. It's, it's the pigs that do that for me. I mean, it's, it's, it's been weird. So, so we shipped these two pigs off. Um, it was time for them to go to the butcher. Um, but one of them was a piglet that we had to bring into the house. That's the first time that we've ever, you know, so we spent weeks with this little guy. He would get up in the middle of the night, he would jump out of his box and he would just walk around the upstairs and just like check in on everybody. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, just, it, and he's this runty little pig who really, it was, it was amazing. Cause Caleb finally, my son took him to his final show and he actually ended up winning champion Barrow with this runt. It was oh. just really exciting. And so, um, we have some friends who, you know, said, Hey, we want to support local farmers. And so, um, they went, they went ahead and purchased half this pig and they're doing a beautiful job of like, look, we bought local and here's the pig. And like those images are like painfully hard for us right now. Yeah. Not right there. Um, you know, it, it, but, but then if, you know, but then, and I don't want this to sound harsher than I mean it, but then the check showed up and it was not about the money. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to say. It's about, Oh, wow. Like, like we've said to our, like we've said to our kids forever, like we've, we've busted our backs taking care of these animals. And then these animals are taking care of us um, mm. by, by providing for us, by providing for another family, providing that meat for the winter, providing, you know, money so that Caleb can continue his project into the next year. Um, and then this overlap, not only, not only of that, of being reminded that this is a reciprocal relationship. It is not a domination or a, or a dominion relationship where I have authority over another. We actually care for one another. And that's the healthiest way for us to think about it, or at least way that makes sense for us. Um, but then this, this one pig's sister who we kept, um, we bred her a couple of weeks ago and this weekend we'll know if she's bred. And if she is, well, then the process of, of new birth has already begun. Um, it goes through the winter again, we'll, we'll break our backs, caring for her, keeping her warm. Um, you know, we've already broken our backs laying concrete. So she'll have a space that will mat and everything so that she can have her babies safely and all that. But, um, but it's just, animals just always seem like the, like the way for me to make sense of this. Um, the, re the reciprocal nature of nature and how we ourselves are creatures. And so creatures where we always take and give, and that's, that's just how it is. Um, and in that, I find hope that like already, lamented last year sad to see last year go and yet the cycle continues and so um so we've got fingers crossed that we have we have a bred pig her name is susan um for anyone who wants to keep up with the uh with and she's a mess she's got the biggest pig ears in the world um but you know but, but we're looking forward to a lot more um georges and a lot more of pigs running around the house that we have to take care of and and you know and putting in that work again and so we're already ready for the work even though we're exhausted from last year's work. And that feels like hope to me. It really does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, you took care of the pig and now the pig is taking care of you. Like that, there's something really beautiful about that image. There's something really, um, I, I, I think we, we extract ourselves so much from these natural processes and, and make it just about what we can take and take and take. And then you've put yourselves and your and your family and this incredibly important message for your kids of of understanding the reciprocity that exists in nature and the mutuality that exists in nature um and and you know they're they're getting they're getting lessons about grief and and lament and hope that they might not get in in other circumstances and i i think that that in and of itself is hopeful because you're you're 
creating your teaching and training more resilient and emotionally healthy humans. And we definitely need more emotionally healthy humans. I, I hope anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still questioning my own emotional and mental health, but that's, you know, <laughs> but you know, and, and I think about it and not to, not to, not to belabor the point, but I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing that same process, you know, when there's death in a congregation or death in a family. Um, my grandmother recently passed away from COVID, uh, that call that I had today. Um, and just watching that process of, you know, caring for our elderly and that, that same thing happens. They care for us and then we care for them. And that's a very natural process. Um, but the only way that that process happens is if we have some acquaintance with death and it's, it's heavy and it's hard. Um, and nobody, nobody logs onto a podcast to hear that message. Like, but at the same time, that, that is this moment, um, that, that constant reciprocity and that, that communal understanding of, you know, for our language, we live in an ecosystem and ecosystems, we're used to thinking of like hierarchies and that's not really how ecosystems work. Um, there's energy flow and there's light and life flows between things and life only happens if those things are connected one to another. So, um, so I see it in parish life too. And that's why pastoring and farming, it's hard for me to separate them out and always know what the difference is. Sometimes it feels like similar processes to me, except I prefer sweet potato, digging sweet potatoes to, <laughs> to bureaucratic church meetings, but you know, that's neither here nor there. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> totally fair. Well, we would love to hear um, listeners what is giving you hope during this time? And I'd love to hear, engage on um, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or send us an email. Um, but our hope and our prayer is that these conversations and lifting up the stories of intersections of food and faith can be part of, of weaving that reciprocity that Sam spoke of and connecting all of us in and naming the ways that we already are connected um, so that we may be able to, to grieve and to lament, um, but also to be able to keep going and knowing and trusting that there is the seed of what is next is, is being planted and is already planted and that together we can keep cultivating this this hope for a more just and generous world that I believe God is, is calling us to and drawing us to. So we encourage you to keep sharing your stories too with one another um, as these stories can, can call us forward and can be that, that gospel in our lives. We don't usually do this, but do you think we should like maybe pray? <laughs> Like, could we like pray with our podcast guests? I mean, I, I mean, if you're if you're feeling led in that direction, I don't feel like yeah. that's probably something we should pay attention to. Spirit's gonna spirit. I mean, I was gonna nominate you to I mean, actually I'm, pray, Derek, but I like, will, I will, actually, <laughs> I will actually pray if you want me to actually pray. Yeah, and we invite you, friends. We know that not all of our podcast community are um, identify as Christian, and we welcome you, and we're glad that you're in this place. So, um, we we recognize and acknowledge that we're taking this in a particular religious direction, um, but we we hold it with with a big big God open open heart and arms. Um, but 
Derek, would you pray for our community and our yeah. world? Loving God, creating God, we give you thanks for these cycles of life that we all experience, of life, of work, of harvest, of death, and of new life and resurrection. We give you thanks for the role that we get to play in as observers of these cycles of life and as participants in these cycles of life. And we recognize that there is a lot of pain in this world. We recognize that it feels at times like death is overwhelming us and the resources that we have. But we are reminded that nature gives an abundance, that you give an abundance, and that you have given us everything that we need to get through the cold, hard seasons of death and lament that you provide for us, that you care for us, that you nurture us. And even in those moments of sorrow, we are reminded that joy comes in the morning. So be with us and be with, um, be with our world as we, as we walk through these next few uncertain weeks. Um, we ask that you will remind us constantly that you have provided more than enough for us and that you're still calling us, no matter what we see around us, to build a more just and peaceful world filled with your love and filled with your grace. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. I made it awkward, didn't I? Like everything was good. <laughs> no, it was perfect. <laughs> I, 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 you, you didn't make it awkward. I think, um, uh, I think that was where it needed to go. I think that was where it needed to go. I think it, 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 yeah. I'm still think, recording, by the way. I, I yeah, <laughs> I see the, I see the red. Uh, <laughs> it feels like it's watching me right now. Um, but I, I think that we need, we need to hold, we need to hold hope and lament in, in intention. And I think, you know, um, and like, let, uh, let's be very honest. I mean, I know that I'm feeling it. Like, it's not just that the state of the world, it's also, it's fall. And like, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm gearing up for my, my seasonal affect disorder just kind of like kicking in the high gear yeah. and so you know i think being able to um being able to name those things being able to um live with those things and say that that, that that's all a part of the rhythm and like hope hope doesn't make sense if things are really rosy and perfect right now hope doesn't make sense if if things are easy Hope doesn't make sense if things are convenient and as we want them to be. Hope only makes sense in an imperfect world. That'll preach. Thank you, friends. Thanks for the honest, real conversations. And it gives me hope to be in community with people who are willing to, to show up to what is. So... Amen. Amen.
podcast community. We'll be back next week and we'll see where, where the world is, but we're glad to be with you all on the journey. In the meantime, holler at us. Yeah. Share with us both what gives you hope and share with us how you are, are lamenting in this time. Yep. Cause we want to hear both. Thank you for listening to the food and faith podcast. Our collaborators are Wake Forest School of Divinity, Plain Song Farm, The Garden Church, and The Keep Until. Editing is by Derek Weston and music by Paul Deemer. Follow along and keep up to date with the podcast on Facebook at Food and Faith Podcast, Twitter and Instagram at Food and Faith Pod, or on our website at foodandfaithpodcast.org. <laughs>